Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Four Feathers Podcast. I'm your host, John Yanani. I'm joined by Tony Marchese and Rod Luce tonight. It's time to crack a cold one and get caught up on your Blackhawks. That's good. That's real good. How's it going tonight, boys? How are we doing? Not too bad, despite tonight's outcome. Um, but I'm washing that down with a nice Revolution Antihero. There you go. That's, that's a nice choice there, Tony. I'm doing I'm doing well, gentlemen. I'm glad you guys are doing well. I am uh, washing down that loss. I'm, I'm going a little fancier tonight, a little maybe a little bougier tonight. I don't know. You you take it for what you want it, but I am uh, having dessert as my beer tonight. A nice Wells banana bread beer tonight. Ooh. Ooh, banana bread. I like banana bread, but I don't know if I've ever had a banana bread beer. So I'll be I'll be honest with you. The first time I tried it, I was very skeptical, and I absolutely loved it. So I highly recommend it. There you go. I got the standard, uh, old reliable Bush Delight. Your your beer brand was uh, spouting off on Twitter uh, yesterday, Johnny. Um, yeah. How do you feel about that? Just kind of well, curious. I, I love the um, just snark in their replies. Uh, they'll roast anyone. You you want to come at uh, Bush Beer on Twitter? The, they'll put you in your place. Honestly, I think they're better than Wendy's. You know, Wendy's gets a lot of rep for you know they'll they'll trash uh, other fast food chains and whatever it may be. Or in replies, like if people say roast me, and they'll just say something completely heinous. Um, that's kind of what Bush Beer was doing on Twitter. Like they said, one guy's profile pic should be illegal. Because it was like this just like middle-aged guy selfie, like, you know, those standard, like, you know, what you'd expect from your uncle on Facebook who just got into it like a year ago. <laughs> so, no, I, I love it. Uh, you know, they, they had like their little graphic up there comparing it side by side with Coors Light. You know, the, you get the Coors Light loyalists out defending it in the replies or defending, you know, their beer in the replies and Bush wasn't having any of it. So... I like that. That's no, it was, my. I, it was nice to see the little fire in in the Bush Twitter account there, uh, defending yeah. defending their their brand, their honor. Um, and I was when I was reading that, I, I had never uh, followed them on Twitter, but uh, now they're getting the follow. So uh, good stuff, Johnny from uh, from you and yeah. your beer. Absolutely. Just another quick one, I think worth mentioning. So I went dove back into our handy dandy group chat here. Uh, I think the one with the comment, so some person says, I mean, your beer is just not that tasty, and their picture is a LaCroix can, and uh, the Bush beer responds with, uh, what would you know about taste LaCroix, boy? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was it was that type of stuff. That's why I, I yes. had to bring this up, because if there's, <laughs> if, there's yeah, if there was a lover of, of Bush beer, it's it's Mr. Nani right here. Uh, yeah, guys, no, no Tyler yeah. tonight. Um Looks like he got himself involved in a little bit of a car situation and uh, cracked an axle on his car. So, um, Tyler, uh, we wish you well getting your car repaired. But uh, we're starting to think that some of these uh, excuses that you're coming up with for not being on here are going to lead to your ultimate uh, pink slip walking paper. So, uh, Tyler, you're fired. Um, just had to slip that in there. <laughs> need to add one to the counters. Guys, let's talk some Hawks. Yeah. Blackhawks win streak was finally snapped tonight. Um, it was a good run, seven-game win streak. Uh, lost at Boston tonight. But in this past week of game since we last talked, so on Thursday night, the Blackhawks won an OT thriller against the Vancouver Canucks at home. Uh, on Sunday, they took care of the Red Wings, 5-2. to two. And then tonight, Tuesday, uh, 6-3 loss at Boston. They fell a little bit of a sloppy performance early on, um, responded a little in the third. But I'm going to let you guys sound off on that. So, Ron, uh, take the wheel. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, that, that Vancouver game, first and foremost, uh, how can we not mention the Johnny Taves OT winner? That was just pure filth. It was just perfect vintage Jonathan Taves. It was, it was a great way to cap off that game. Uh, Sunday's game, very entertaining. I, I know the, the rivalry doesn't have the same flair that it used to, but let's be honest. It's always cool seeing the Hawks beat Detroit, especially if for nothing else, the, the, the sweet memories of uh, 2008, 2009 of being knocked out by them in the Western Conference Finals. Um, always feels good to, to play a little sweet revenge to uh, our buddies from Motown. Great win by the team there. And uh, even tonight, I mean, 
it's it's really hard to win eight in a row, guys. So the fact that they were able to win seven in a row like they did was still impressive. Boston's a good team, even without Pasternak. And, uh, you know, I think I think there were still some bright spots. Dylan Strom registered another point. So that adds to his impressive uh, running total. I think he's now at like 33 points in 34, 35 games ever since being acquired. Uh, he's almost a point per game player. Um, you know, Gustafson adds another goal. Uh, the defense was pretty spotty tonight. Uh, Delia didn't play great, but I, I mean, you know, he was, I think, due for a bad game. And, you know, all good things must come to an end at some point. But at least they, they lost to a good quality team and they weren't getting, you know, shit kicked by uh, insert basement team. Ottawa. There you go. It wasn't the Ottawa Senators that they lost. Yeah, they're to, coming so. up on the schedule. So exactly so could have always been worse but that's kind of my take on the games i think uh i think all of them were overall pretty entertaining games uh what what are your guys's thoughts well uh i was actually at the thursday ot winner uh versus vancouver i uh, gotta give a little shout out to friend of the show jake trojan uh for hooking me up with the, the that that seat at that game uh it was really actually cool guys um uh, i know i sent this to you in the group chat and we put those out on uh twitter Pre-game, we were sitting in the 200 level, courtesy of uh, of a vendor, CDW. The CDW experiences at the Hawks games are just absolutely unbelievable. Got to go sit in the governor's room and eat dinner with uh, Blackhawks legend Dennis Savard. And listening to Denny talk about the, the game ahead, he had actually like he had actually said that the Vancouver game was going to be a trap game for these guys. I didn't really look at it myself as a trap game. But when he explained that you know you've been on the road for a while, you come back against a team like Vancouver, the rivalry isn't there as much as we want it to be. Guys are just getting back home; they get to see their families. They're they're a little bit tired, burnt out. I was really really happy with the effort that they gave on Thursday. I'm sure the rest of the, of the team was, and and Carlton was as well. Uh, Taves pulling that out in overtime. You know that's where you need your captain to step up, and that's what he did. Uh, going into Sunday, the 5-2 win versus Detroit. I wouldn't say that we completely trounced them, but that was just good hockey. I think the Hawks were, were still rolling high from, from everything they had going on during this streak. And today, I feel like they finally like just ran out of steam. Kind of this consensus, I feel like, on, on Hawks Twitter right now is you've got a lot of these guys who are really pulling for that, that first overall draft pick. And they're coming out and saying, well, that's wel- welcome back to Earth, Blackhawks. I don't know if that's so much the case. I, I kind of feel like they did just get beaten by a better team right now. Even though the, the, t- uh, the team's been on such a streak, we know that they're not the best. We know that they're not going to beat teams like Boston and just absolutely you know, demoralize them. They've got to they've get their bounces. They've got to you know, play hard all the way through the game. They've got to get lucky a little bit to win some of these games. Not saying that it can't happen, but... You know, they just they ran up against a better opponent. Like Ron said, you've been on a streak for seven in a row. It's really hard to get eight. So I, I just chalk this one up, forget about it, move on to the next game. That's kind of how I feel. Um, you know, you've put yourself into a, a playoff chance here. You, you're you're no longer that one percent chance to get into the playoffs. You're in you're in the talk of uh, a playoff run, and that's what they've that's what they've accomplished over the course of this last eight games so something to be proud of yeah so you guys hit the nail on the head there um i don't have a whole lot to add i'm um, just touching on tave's goal in overtime on thursday night against vancouver um, that's just great patience by the captain he sees a defenseman break one way uh throws a puck around him and then you know dances to the front of the net and he, he's flicked it. it it didn't it wasn't really like a uh ridiculous wrist shot or anything he was in tight so he just elevated it like he needed to went top shelf uh and in that game i know after the uh game in the post game interview he said that he was you know tired at the end of a shift uh figured he'd try it one more time there while he was still out on the ice and uh worked out so that that was fun to see always fun uh overtime hockey three on threes you know just uh it's a back and forth um you know vancouver had their share of chances two or three really quality ones just before that so i was glad that it didn't get back down to the other end of the ice there um sunday you know there's a little bit of adversity late you know you look at the score of five two and say oh well they handled them not necessarily um there's a little bit of uh pushback by detroit towards the end there 
you know, Kane's point streak was on the line, and then he ends up going, uh, getting sprung on a little bit of a breakaway. I guess it was a one-on-one with the defenseman, but he was able to work himself to the outside and then shoot short side and, um, you know, continue that point streak. And then he also had an assist on Taves' empty netter. So, you know, got to pat it a little bit if you're having the best season of your career. And then tonight at Boston, I agree with Tony. You know, you run out of steam. Defense just uh, kind of out of sorts in the first two periods. Uh, One thing positive that I will take out of this Boston game, though, I looked at the they showed a little drop down uh, stat menu. Probably I think it was with 14-15 remaining in the third period. And the Hawks had already had seven shots to Bruins having none. So they came out with a purpose in that third period. So you got to give them credit for, you know, at least putting a push on there. Um, that was good to see. You could, you know, you could tell earlier in the season the team, uh, this team would probably have rolled over and died. Yeah, yeah they uh, would have. They were in that situation. Yeah, four, down 4-2 going in the third period. Um, but they didn't. So I like that kind of fight, you know, just getting out of position defensively. Uh, that's got to be cleaned up uh, if they're serious about making a push at this thing. But those are my observations from the game. From this past week, uh, Dylan Strom on Monday was named third star of the NHL. Tony and I had talked a little bit about how integral of a role he's played on the power play. You know, he's doing it at even strength. They're, they got that second line together. The Brinkett, Strom, and Cahoon now. Uh, Kaladin isn't really blending those lines like Coach Q probably would. So it's good to see some consistency there. But in that week where Strom was named the third star, he had two goals, five assists in just three games, and he now has 11 goals, 20 assists through 33 games since coming over to Chicago. So um, I know it's a little hard to judge. There's not really much to go off of on the other side of this trade. Uh, Nick Schmaltz out for the season with a knee injury, but... Guys, I know we talked about this in the group chat a little bit. It, it's kind of looking like, you know, I don't know if you can call it definitively yet, but Stan is definitely looking like he's on the better side of this trade. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? What's really funny here is that Stan Bowman's been on the better side of the last few trades that he's made. Um, and for as much shit that we gave him earlier on in the year for, for some of these bad deals, he's really cleaned it up. And if there's like a turnaround of, of the year for a GM award, it's got to go to Stan Bowman here. Um, you just got to look at what he's done with this Strom deal, especially, and getting rid of Brandon Manning. And granted, he put himself in these situations to to make himself look better on the back end if he was able to get rid of him. But the Oilers are trying to trade Brandon Manning right now, and they can't even do it. So for what Stan's done, I mean, he took advantage of, of Peter Chiarelli, obviously, uh, on the Manning deal. And then with the Schmaltz deal, you bring back Strom. I think Perlini's kind of like that second fiddle to that deal. Um, he, he adds a little bit of sandpaper to the lineup, but he hasn't really been the star of this. Dylan Strom looks like he could be your, two, uh, your 2C for quite a few years going forward. And that makes a guy like Artem Nismov even more expendable, which we really need at this point in time. I think that's one of those guys that uh, you're talking trade deadline. You'd like to see... You know, maybe Artem Anisimov's name involved in in some trade talks here, but Strom, man, it, it's that chemistry that he has with with DeBrinket is uh, you can't you can't break those two apart at this point in time. They are they are in it, you know. So I'm really impressed with what I've seen with him so far since he's come over. Yeah, I think I think overall. You know, early on, it looked like it was going to be a pretty even trade because uh, Nick Schmaltz was crushing it down in Arizona. I think very early on in that trade, maybe through the first 10 games or so, I think he was actually outscoring Strom. So he was he was very successful in the new role that he had down in Arizona as well. I think it was just very unfortunate that he had that season-ending injury. But yeah, Dylan Strom's been incredibly impressive. Uh, Dylan Strom is now playing like a third overall draft pick, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there, there was a reason this guy went number three overall in that draft. He's proving it. He finally is starting to look like that player. I think a lot of it had to do in Arizona. He just wasn't getting good situations to play in. He was playing on a fourth line, playing with guys that weren't nearly as talented as him. He was expected to carry the line. And I don't think he's that kind of player. I think he's a very, very, very good player when he's playing with some other players of skill. I don't think he can just carry a line by himself. And I think that that may be why he's a 2C for the long haul, which... I would not by by any chance means have anything against. Uh, 
versus maybe that one line franchise center just because he can't carry a line by himself. But undeniable, him and him and Debrinket are best friends, and and you can see that chemistry in the way they play. I think Dominic Cahoon is actually slotted in very nicely with them at that spot. Um, I think you're starting to see that coming as well. Uh, but I'm very impressed with Strom, and um, my wallet is currently sitting next to me over here, and it's barking at me. And I'll, I'll tell you why it's barking at me, because uh, there's a nice little credit card right here uh, that's telling my you know, my, my little devil on this shoulder right here that if uh, number 17 gets a contract extension, like I think he will, I think this credit card is going to be coming out of the wallet to invest in a, uh, a nice little jersey uh, with number 17 on the back. Hold that up there a little bit longer, uh, Ron, um, so that the listeners yeah. can can get your credit card number so they can buy a Strom jersey too. Unfortunately, you cannot see my credit <laughs> card number the way I'm holding it. But um, if I had the money, I would love to buy Strom jerseys for everybody because I think he's going to be a great player for the Hawks for a long time. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, Ron, you make a good point about his deployment in Arizona. I, when I looked it up, he his final number there – 57.8% of his zone starts were in the defensive zone. So that's chalked up to playing on the fourth line. Like you said, not being able to carry a line by himself, but he just wasn't being put in good positions there. So I really like what he's done since coming over. Huge part of that first power play unit. He's just got way better coordination hands than Artem Anisimov. Anisimov would fumble the puck a little bit, make it hard uh, to ring pucks around if that's what was needed or find someone out in front of the net. If, someone was streaking and they want to set him up on the opposite side um, where a stroke can do that. Uh, and then you can also take it and drive to the net. So I, I think it, it, he's in a very good position here. I really love that second line. Um, I hope that doesn't get broken up. I know they had slotted Kane down uh, come the third period tonight. Um, I think that's just Kaladin trying to stir things up a little bit, get it going. I'm sure Kane uh, was being double shifted a little bit too um that kind of happens you know when you're the best player on the ice um and your team's down two goals i, I feel like that's that it's not a slap in the face to dominic cahoon it's just kind of a uh get the team going sort of move there other than that you know brendan berlini will see what happens with him down the line i know he had two seasons ago was when he really shined in um in arizona with the numbers but he, he's had a little bit of a rough go of playing minimal minutes and then uh, the concussion protocol. I know he's back healthy now. And I, I think if he can show just some sort of promise here over the stretch while David Camp is out, um, that's all he'll get more regular minutes. Then I feel like he'll it'll at least make it tough on the coaching staff to decide who'd healthy scratch when David Camp finally comes back. So I talked about Kane a little bit there. Um, this guy's on a 15-game point streak. Uh, like I said, uh, recapping the Detroit game, he was close to not extending it in that game in the 14th game, but uh, had that late goal and then the assist on uh, Johnny Taves' empty netter. He had an assist tonight to keep it going, extended to 15. This guy, is, he's having the best season of his career. And uh, it, it's, you know, you think about years where he was a Conn Smythe winner when he was, it, nothing has been as high quality production wise as it has been this season. So um, Tony and I talked about it last week, you could have a whole podcast about Patrick Kane, um, but uh, any thoughts on his last week's performance? I know Tony and I touched a little bit on it uh, last week, but um, anything over these past three games that stood out to you guys? He has just been a freaking superhuman. I mean, he's been unbelievable. It's crazy to think that he's truly gotten better as his career has gone on. I mean, you know, everybody's, oh, he's 30. Oh, you know, this, oh, that. I don't give a shit that he's 30. He's playing like he's, you know, the best player in the NHL right now. You know, he's in striking distance for the Art Ross. I mean, I think he's three points back of Kucherov. It might only be two now uh, after tonight. But he's yeah he's been incredible. I, I'm I'm it's it's been an absolute treat. I don't want to beat a dead horse because I know we've we've discussed Kaner uh, quite a bit over the last few weeks. But he's been a treat to watch, and I mean he he really is you know putting that Superman cape on and ripping those Clark you know Clark Kent glasses off uh, like he did in the All Star game. Uh, the shootout competition a couple of years ago, um, just because he's been. I, he's 
he truly right now is the MVP. Uh, bar none. You know, I don't care anybody who says, oh, well, Kucherov's leading the league in points. Kucherov also plays with like eight all-stars. That team is unbelievably deep. It's stupid how good that team is. He should be scoring at that kind of clip. Patrick Kane, especially before this little streak where Strom and Debrinkit and Taves really started kind of heating up again, uh, there were nights that Kaner was single-handedly carrying the team um, in terms of offense. So uh, there's no denying how valuable he's been to this team, and I, I would love to see him get another heart because, uh, if we're being entirely honest, I think he deserves it, whether the Hawks make the playoffs or not. But I know if they don't make the playoffs, he probably doesn't win it. Will we ever see a player on the Hawks in our lifetime better than Patrick Kane? I don't know. Um, probably uh, not. It's hard to say. You know, so that I mean, that's that's what I think about when I watch him play. Is like, will there ever be anybody else on the Hawks that can match these levels of production year in, year out, and just I mean, show no signs of slowing down. And I I think that's one of the reasons why you can't discount the Hawks out of any game because hell, Patrick Kane, you you could be down two, and Kane can just go rattle off two goals in five minutes and you're right back in you know it's it's even even a shorter time span than that he just it's it's magic when he has the puck this is business as usual now I mean you you ask what sticks out in the last three games Johnny nothing sticks out because you just you, you come to expect this from Kane it's almost unfair it's almost unfair to be a Hawks fan and be subject to watching Patrick Kane play all the time because not that it loses like any luster, but you just you grow accustomed to him being so good. You know, it's kind of that same feeling like, oh, Ovechkin's coming to town. I got to get up for this. I got to watch this game so I can see Ovechkin, or I got to see Sidney Crosby play, or Connor McDavid. Imagine being you know a fan of another team. It's like I got to see Patrick Kane play. It kind of loses its luster. I guess you could say that when you're when you're a Hawks fan. But th- I mean, this is business as usual for Patrick Kane. Even though this year is so like special as far as what he's put together, I mean, do you guys feel like it's any different than any of the other years that you've watched? Because I don't. I, I feel like it's just the same Patrick Kane doing what he's always done. I, I kind of feel that way too. Um, I guess it's just the uh, accolades of the point streak. I know he's had uh, long point streaks um, in his past before, but it it's more of just for that period of time like you said before those other guys got going uh Tave Strom to brink it he, he's pretty much carrying it and you know he had the whole team on his back so th- that's kind of what stood out to me but yeah over these past few games um I guess the short side snipe on uh Sunday against Detroit th- that was uh just you know like you said we've come to expect it but you know that's a that's a work of art that shot there oh yeah he is so damn good so damn good and he's He's the reason that, that that the team can go on streaks like this. It's not unreasonable for Patrick Kane to go on a 10-game point streak. He, he he has the ability to do that. Not many players in the league can just rattle off point streaks like that. Uh, I don't know. I, I I feel like a lot of a lot of the success that the Hawks have seen over the past 2-3 weeks have directly been attributed to Patrick Kane's production. I mean, I've said this time and time again that this Hawks team, as constructed, needs to rely on on guys like Kane and Taves, and that's what they're doing. And I really like seeing Kane and Taves play together, too. That's the other thing that uh, I think has really, really helped Patrick Kane is having um, a center who is as talented as Jonathan Taves. I really think that uh, that's that's been a little bit of a difference maker in, in, in Kane's game uh, as of late. Yeah, and even the I think crazier part about that is is you know there was a stretch where you know for a while where Kane really didn't have a kind of concrete center. I mean, but you know before the the Strom trade, it was Schmaltz, and that was kind of iffy. And then it was Anisimov, and you know then they you know brought Strom in, and early on Strom was still kind of getting his bearings playing with Kane and, and to bring it and. And Kane and Anisimov at one point on the wing, and like, you know, Kane has just had so many different line mates this year. It doesn't matter. He's just so good. He can play with anybody. But it is nice seeing Johnny and, and Kaner return to to playing together. I mean, it, it's the, really the first time that they've consistently played together since 2013. 
and yes, a little inspiration from your video earlier. So thank you for that, Tony. Yes. Um, but I mean, you look at that highlight package and I feel like every other Kane goal was being assisted by Taves. So, um, you know, it's it, it's nice seeing two superstars play together. I mean, they they've clearly been able to be successful together, and I think a big reason that they're able to stay together right now is because of how well that two line has been playing. Otherwise, I think you would see Kane and Taves get split up if the offense went cold. Yeah, uh, I agree with that 100%. Ron, I don't think Kaladin's as quick on the trigger for line juggling, but if a change needed to be made, that's probably where you would look. Uh, let's put Patrick Kane back on the two line. Uh, leave Taves in his role as 1C, and then try and generate offense from there. So it has been nice uh, seeing, you know, Debrinket on his point streak, Strom stepping up, and then even Dominic Cahoon, two goals against uh, Detroit on Sunday. You know, he, he's a skilled guy, and he's adjusting to the North American game, so that, that definitely does allow Kane and Taves to stay together on that top unit. Okay, so, you know, we, we beat uh, Kane you know, talk like a dead horse here. Um, another topic that we always do, uh, at least over the past month or so has been uh, playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs. All right. So the Blackhawks are four points from the, uh, second wild card spot in the Western conference current standings. There are still a few games going on right now as we record this. So only Colorado, I believe, and then Arizona, Th- those are the games that are still going on. Arizona is playing the golden Knights and uh, Colorado is playing uh, the Maple Leafs right now. But other than that, all these are up to date. So in the eight spot, Minnesota, they lost tonight uh, 59 points through 57 games, Vancouver, uh, just out of the playoff picture there, 57 points through 57 games. Colorado playing right now, but going into tonight, 55 points through 55 games. Hawks with the loss tonight, 55 points through 57 games. Arizona playing right now, but 53 points through 53 games. So they could be tied with the Hawks by the end of the night there. Um, Edmonton, 53 points through 55 games. And then L.A. and Anaheim at the basement, both 51 points there through 56 games. So, guys, it's it's tight, to say the least. Every We, we had talked about, there was a quote from Kaladin earlier. He said he was more disappointed than alarmed with tonight's performance, given the thin margin per error. And that margin is so paper thin. Uh, you really do need to give your best effort every single night. You need to try and salvage points whatever way possible. Um, I, I got excited when Gustafson scored that goal to bring it in within 4-3 because I figured, you know what, even if we don't, come back and win this thing maybe we push it to overtime get that point uh give us a little bit of an edge there unfortunately that's not how it played out but what are your thoughts on this race you can give a prediction if you want but what uh and then another information bit that i'll give i said it last week but the hawks have the 28th ranked strength of schedule from here on out so that is in their advantage well what are you guys thoughts on this tight playoff race here in the western conference I think that the very interesting thing this year that I personally am not accustomed to, and I think a lot of Blackhawks fans can agree because really for the last decade, the Western Conference has always been the tougher side of the NHL. Yes. Year in and year out. Yes. And this is really the first year where the West is kind of dog shit. At least compared to the East. I mean, there are at least at the bottom there. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, there are teams. Yeah. I mean, even I would say probably from the like the five seed down, everybody is pretty comparable right now. You know, there's there's probably five legit teams that I would argue in the West that are kind of above everybody else. I'd say that's probably Vegas, San Jose, Calgary, Winnipeg and Nashville. Those are probably your big your big five outside of those teams. Everybody else is kind of just right here with each other. You know, they're all kind of hovering in that spot. Whereas you look at the East, the Florida Panthers are, you know, have been one of the hottest teams that haven't been talked about in the NHL. They're like 10 points out of a playoff spot. If they were slotted in the Western Conference, they're only like two points out of a playoff spot. So it's just it's wild how that flip has happened. And I think because of that, you know, I, I, I mean, if we're being completely honest from an t- entire season standpoint, uh, a piss poor Hawks team, you know, compared to what we're used to is still in this thing. And that's because of 
I really, let's be honest, I think it's offense and good goaltending. I mean, the defense has been bad. There's no lie about it. There's only one team that gives up more shots in the NHL than us, and I believe it's Ottawa. You know, and that's it's really hard to win that way. And hey, Ron, we, the best defense is a great offense. That's so true. Remember that defense also wins championships, though. So it, you know, it, it's it's a it's a balance. You know, I I love Colin Delia, I love Cam Ward, I love Corey Crawford, but when they're getting peppered with fifty shots a night, it is really, really, really difficult to win hockey games. And and I think we'll I'll touch on more about trade deadline thoughts later, but. You know, right now where they sit, it's crazy to think that they're really they are in a in a shot for a playoff position. I mean, if they can, can play consistent hockey with the team that they have, they can make a make a run. I mean, you know, I, I think it's honestly safe to say that they're probably out of the top two pick conversation. I, I think it, that seven game streak really killed anything of that. So at this point, a quote unquote tanking season is picking somewhere between probably five and 10. And yeah, you're still going to get a good player there, but they're not going to be a franchise changer. And so that's where I think you have to look to free agency uh, for this team to improve on the back end. For this current run, I think they're going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to make it interesting. But I, I just, I feel like something's gonna happen where they might just miss. I, I, you know, I think it'll be it, it'll be a day late dollar short scenario. They were so bad early on that all of those points they left on the table early in the season is what's gonna come back and bite them in the ass. But I think they're gonna make it interesting. And if nothing else, for the casual hockey fan, I mean, obviously our die, us diehards are gonna watch no matter what. But you know, the casual hockey fan is gonna be interested because. They're there. They're in the conversation. They're in the hunt. So I think it's just going to be daily dollar short. But I think a lot of that has to do with the beginning of the season because they were just so fucking terrible early on. Two separate eight game losing streaks. Exactly. Yeah. As great as the seven game win streak was two separate eight game losing streaks during this year. It would be, I think, only two other teams in NHL history have had um, two separate eight or eight or more game losing streaks and still made the playoffs. That's a rough stat right there. Yeah. That's a really rough stat. And, you know, when I look at this and this run, it has me completely fired up about this team that they just went on. I, like I said, have been down on this team most of the year. The the Coach Q firing pissed me off. The way this team's played, seeing Corey Crawford go down for the second year in a row, it just it, it it felt like a tire fire. It has been a tire fire at times. But there's nothing more that I want than to see this team just squeak into the playoffs and even just give me like a round one win. I'm not looking for a cup run. I don't think that this team really has it. I don't think they're going to be able to answer the bell as they currently stand. You're going to have to buy if you want to improve your chances to even get past around one. But you've seen what teams like Nashville can do to a number one seed in previous playoff runs. I mean, anything can happen when you get to the playoffs in one round. I'm not going to say that, you know, there's going to be some magical answer and all of a sudden you're going to see Gustafson start playing shutdown defense and you're going to have, you know, this team just go on you know, another seven game run come late April, May. I don't think that's going to happen. But at this point, I'd rather this team go to the playoffs and get some of these young guys playoff exposure. If you're not going to take that number one pick or that top three pick, there's nothing more beneficial than having guys like DeBrinket and Strom get some playoff action under their belt. Because when they do reload in free agency, if they can make some signings, it's so much better for them next year and, and, the, and the year after that if these guys have had some playoff experience under their belt. Let them get the yips out now. I want to see this team go in the playoffs and get beat. Do you guys remember before 2010 when they went into the playoffs and got their ass handed to them by, by Detroit? That's what this team needs. They need to learn. They need to learn what it's like to play in that seven-game series. They need to learn how to lose that series and come back and get that hunger. You've got vets on this team like Kane, Taves, Crawford, Keith, Seabrook. 
to teach these guys how to act in the playoffs, but they're not going to get that option to even do that unless they make it there. I think it's very valuable if they can sneak in and get that first, at least make that first round interesting. I think that's what so they I'm, need to play for. Yeah, I'm going to sound like a broken record again, but the 28th ranked uh, strength schedule, that that's what really sticks out to me and makes me believe that they can uh, possibly string us together. So, you know, they got they had a really tough stretch in um, end of November to through like mid-December. That was probably their hardest stretch of the year. That's beyond them. I know they struggled a little bit during that, but then they also beat some decent teams in there. Um, I was at a game back in December when they handed it to the Penguins, 6-3. I know the Penguins aren't the perennial force that they used to be in 16-17, but still a good team. You're still uh, Geno and Crosby. So um, if they can take care of the teams that they need to take care of, like I'm just looking at the schedule coming up for the rest of uh, February here, Ottawa, Detroit, Colorado next week. They're at Anaheim then the following week. I mean, the you know, Colorado's fallen off a little bit since uh, Rontanen and, um, you know, McKinnon and all them. They've come back down to earth a little bit. So so they're, they're kind of in that same, like, middle mix where we are right now. So uh, take care of the teams that you need to, um, that you can, and just see what happens. See, see where things play out in the standings. Um, I mean, Minnesota was up 3-1 to one on uh, Flyers tonight. And then I just checked the score, and they ended up losing uh, five to four late in the third period. So anything can happen in this crazy game. Uh, that's all I have to say about it. We will keep circling back to this topic because any chance we get to use that uh, playoffs sound clip, we will take. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? And uh, obviously, it's very relevant to uh, our current situation right now. Before we get to our last few segments, we need to get it to a word from our sponsor. All right, we're back. Episode 20 of the Four Feathers podcast. Um, guys, that was, uh, you know, uh, Tony, was that the first time that we've actually had a clean break into ads? You know what? That's the first time across any podcast that I've been on or part of as a host that uh, we actually remembered to break for the ad read johnny ron uh it's it's an appropriate time to crack one right now because um that that's a historic moment for for four feathers uh the first time we have not had to dub in an ad read after the fact so johnny's going to be really happy when he gets this audio and goes to goes to publish it because he has a natural breaking point so crack him for that cheers boys yes um i like that a nice clean break for the ad read. That's 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 great stuff. You know, quality quality podcasting right here from from Mr. Nani, myself, and and Ron, um, bringing it to you're you. You're listening right there. to history. You're listening to history right here. Four Feathers history. It only took us twenty episodes. Yeah, it only took us twenty episodes <laughs> to figure that out. How to do ad reads, get some sponsorship uh, stuff going on, and then actually break for the ad while we're recording instead of having to find a spot to. To dub it in, so Kudos we're patting us. ourselves on the we're patting ourselves on the back here. But I think I'm also going to chalk this up to Google Docs and the highlight feature. I literally put in big 24 bold font right in the middle of the show uh, on our topic sheet here. Break for ad read, and that we did. Hey, you know, scheduling is like half the battle here. So it is. You know, it is. We are rolling along. Time for some news and updates. Uh, a few bullet points of things that went on this past week. Uh, David Camp is officially listed out three to four weeks with a foot injury. Does anybody miss uh, this guy? I mean, I you know, I would usually, like if this was earlier in the season, I would take every chance to go and jump on him. But I actually have not been too upset with this play over the past month. I think he's been a little bit of a stabilizer on that third line in the center there. So I, I, I'd kind of do... But at the same time, I hope Dylan Sakura can come up. That that, that was, actually brings me right into my next yeah. bit. So as that corresponding move, Dylan Sakura was recalled from Rockford. He had a brief stint earlier in the season, uh, did not do much with it. But he was Rockford's leading scorer um, with like 10 or 11 less games played than all those guys down there. So hopefully that can translate over. Uh, you you got to expect someone with his skill level to at least be able to convert uh, a little bit. I know he's playing in like a third, fourth line role. He's probably used to playing a first, second line role, but that's just where he finds himself right now. So we'll see what happens with Dylan Sakura. Other than that, Colin Dahlia 
signed a three-year extension with the Blackhawks through 2020-2021. That's a $1 million annual average value. And then Corey Crawford finally participated in a full practice on Monday, says he's feeling good, feeling ready, and he's just working his way back into the lineup. So that brings us to our next little topic here. We don't have to spend too much time on it, but I know we had talked about it in our group chat, so let's just air it out for the listeners here. What's the goalie situation when, if Crow comes back? Ron, I'll hand it off to you first. Yeah, I I mean, I guess sadly, by default, I think it's Colin Dealey gets sent back to Rockford. Uh, you know, Cam Ward's got that lovely thing that Bowman likes handing out, like their Halloween candy on Halloween, and that is a uh, no-movement clause. So he can't technically be demoted. Uh, unless he was essentially saying, yeah, you can, I'll sign off and you can send me to Rockford. He ain't going to fucking Rockford. He wants no part of Rockford and I don't blame him. Uh, Delia is on the last year of his two way contract, so he can freely move between the minors, um, in the NHL. So I believe he will be the guy and I'll be honest with you. Wouldn't be the worst thing if we're talking about success of Rockford. I mean, Anton Forsberg has been incredible for them this season. Uh, Kevin Lankinen has proven to be pretty good, um, you know, maybe not nearly as good as Forsberg, but still good nonetheless. Uh, you insert Delia back down there for the remainder of the year. Uh, I mean, that that goaltending duo is arguably the best in the AHL. Uh, and maybe Rockford makes another run at a, at a Calder Cup. So that could be a little benefit for them. I do just want to touch as we're talking about the goalies. What a fucking contract for Colin Delia. $1 million a year for three years. I'm cool with it being a one-way contract. No That's problem. That's perfect. That's perfect. It's perfect. Miko Koskinen just signed for three years at, what, $4.5 million a season, and he's older than Delia and has a yeah. worse stat line? You've got, got like Cam Ward at $3 million. You've got Cam Ward at $3 million right now. Even if he pans out to be a backup goaltender— you're $2 million under what you were paying for a backup goaltender for this year. So how do you lose that deal? No, you really don't. I mean, it's 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 a perfect number two goalie situation. And let's be honest. Let's, you know, let's let's play the, the devil's advocate here for a second. And let's say Crawford never plays another game in a Blackhawks uniform. You're in an even better situation at that point. Exactly. You have a start potential starting goaltender making a million bucks a season. Uh, that does nothing but wonders for your cap job. So I give huge kudos uh, to Stan Bowman as much as sometimes that pains me to say. It, it, not everything he's done is bad, and I give him a lot of credit. He's wiggled his way out of a lot of a lot of eh mm-hmm. moves that he's made. Um, he definitely got this Delia contract right, and good for Colin Delia. This guy went from an undrafted free agent, you're just essentially rookie camp, you know, invite to one way multi year contract. NHL goaltender so good for Colin Delia but I, I if if and when Crow comes back he just numbers game unless they carry three goalies he's the guy that gets sent to Rockford I think that there's still that chance that Cam Ward has an injury in quotes right there and if the team is really on the brink of the playoffs or if we secure that wild card spot or are in that wild card spot come Mid March, I think you get Cam. I think Cam Ward goes IR. Not saying, just saying. And your goalies are Crawford and Delia because I think that everybody here knows those are your two best goaltenders. Ward's been very serviceable, but wouldn't you guys rather go into the playoffs with Delia and Crawford than Crawford and Cam Ward? I mean, is there anybody against that? No, I agree 100%. And I love that you brought out the uh, IR, the in quotes. Um, Got to bring the tinfoil hat takes here to four feathers. So if that happens, you heard it here first. From a personal opinion standpoint, I want Dealey as my number one right now. I mean, when Crow comes back and proves that he's actually back, uh, not just saying it in an interview to the media after a practice, his first practice since being injured, I think he, you know, he would probably be the guy. Crow would then, and I would rather have Delia as a backup, but I agree with Ron's uh, situation that he presented there. Thank you for laying out how those contracts work, too, because sometimes that can get confusing on who can actually be sent down and all that. So, yeah, just from a number standpoint, they're not going to carry three goalies. That's That would be ridiculous. They just never do. Even Kaladin said that they would be against that, carrying three goalies. 
So it would be Dahlia down to Rockford and finish out the year, and then you would roll with Crawford and Ward. That's the most likely situation. But if you ask me what I want, I want to see, like Tony said, Delia and Crawford. That would be, you know, your two best goaltenders. So that's just my take on it. Well, that's what I want to see the organization do is put its best talent on the ice. And right now, I would argue that that's Colin Delia, even over Corey Crawford. If Crawford comes back and starts taking the lion's share of the of the starts in the net, uh, I would hope that that's you know that's not the case. I would hope that you're splitting that time almost fifty fifty down the stretch. One, Crawford's missed a significant amount of time. If you look back to some of the worst stretches of hockey that the Hawks have played, Crawford was in net for those. So at this point this year, what has Corey Crawford really proven? that he's even come back from the first concussion that he had last year. He has not played a lot of hockey over the last two years. And you can't say that that's you know, good for a team that's in the middle of a, a playoff run. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I, th- I think Dilly is your guy. I think he really is. And wouldn't you want to see, like I kind of said before, him get some experience in those playoffs should they get there playoffs over cam ward or even like like just just to be on the roster just to go through those routines just to see how that is potentially come in in a backup situation if you know the game gets out of hand or you know what 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 say you i think that that's very valuable for a goaltender um to get those kind of minutes and that's what this season should be about it should be about building that confidence during a stretch run and in the playoffs, should they get there? Playoffs! And I think holding him back from that because you have Cam Ward is just a really shitty excuse. It'll be interesting to see what plays out. I like just gut feeling uh, I'm with uh, Ron's plan, though. That's just what I think will happen. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Another thing that'll be interesting to see how it shakes out is the trade deadline coming up. That's uh, a little less than two weeks away. Monday, February 25th is the NHL trade deadline. So what do we think the Hawks are going to do? I know there's still a lot up in the air. Uh, probably a few more games to play before that's decided, but uh, we had touched on a little bit about guys that we had uh, a couple episodes ago, guys that we thought were most likely to get moved um, after this winning streak that we just went on and uh, losing tonight. Well, what do you think is the most likely situation? I know they've been drilling those polls on a uh, post game show. You know, what, what do the Hawks do at the trade deadline? So let's get our four feathers uh, round table of that here. I'll just, I could quickly kick it off. So I'm going to, I'm going to appease to every side really quick. I think if they truly were 100% serious, yes, we can make a run at this. They could buy problem with that is, Based on the pipeline, unless you're giving up one of the really good young guns, so a Ian Mitchell or a uh, Boakvist, you're you're going to have to trade somebody from the roster. And that's probably somebody along the lines of a Dominic Cahoon or a Brandon Sod. And let's be honest, you don't want to trade those guys right now. So buying doesn't honestly look like the best opinion because – Buying is the worst time to make a trade because everybody's value is significantly higher. Like, no knock on Brian Boyle. Brian Boyle is a great hockey player for what he does. But if you make that trade in the offseason, Brian Boyle does not fetch you anything higher than a fifth-round draft pick. He fetched a second-round draft pick from Nashville. A second rounder. And sure, it's going to be a late second rounder, but it's still a second round draft pick. You're still giving yourself an opportunity to draft a guy who could be the next Brian Boyle or even better. So it's 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 almost non-beneficial to buy at the deadline. And I know, you know, I would say if they were in that wild card spot right now, I'd say maybe, yeah, go ahead and, and play buyer. But they're not. And I don't know if it's necessarily worth it. That being said, I really think there's going to be a good chance they just stand pat because I feel like that's such a Blackhawks move is they hype up. They're going to go one way or the other and then nothing fucking happens. Um, Ideally, you would sell and I'm not talking hardcore blow it up. You, You don't have to just sell everything that has value. I'm talking sell what you can. What are you selling though? 
What are you selling? I'm, I am literally trading Artem Anisimov for anything at this point. A bag of pucks would be sufficient. Are It'd you just talking just, like cap space moves here? Yeah. Cap space moves, get out of some bad contracts, maybe take back. Because let's be honest, Stan Bowman has become the king of what I like to call project trades. And that is, let's go get Connor Joe Murphy. Schmo, Connor Murphy, Dylan Strom, Brandon Perlini, Drake Kajula. You know, the these guys that are, you know, uh, they weren't doing what they hoped they would do with the other team, but they see the possibilities there. Take a flyer on a guy. If there's a team that's willing to trade you a guy like that for an Artem Anisimov, do it. If there's a team out there that's willing to trade you for a guy like a Chris Kunitz, do it. You know what I mean? It, it, why not at least get assets back that could potentially help you, even if it is third and fourth round picks? Because if nothing else, that gives you you know the ability to move up and down in the draft. Let's say you have two third, third round picks and – hypothetically you're picking seventh overall in the second round and there's a guy you really really love and you know he ain't making it that far so you want to move up to the third pick in the second round you can move one of those thirds with that you know what i mean it gives you flexibility because let's be honest they're going to try and train an Mob in the offseason anyway there's a very good chance it, i shouldn't even say very good chance there is Zero chance that Kunitz returns next year. There's zero chance that Cam Ward returns next year. Now, granted, he can't be traded, so that's why he's not included in this discussion. But, you know, yeah, that that that's what you're going to probably end up hopefully seeing is them try and get assets for these guys who, in the grand scheme of things, are really not that important to this team right now. Artem Anisimov is really not that important to this team. Chris Kunitz is really not that important to this team right now. I, I would even argue that somebody along the lines of, like, I know we just got him, but a Slater Cuckoo, you know, maybe there's a team that really, 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 really likes him and is willing to give you another set of asset for him. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, and with or Gustav Forsling, I think is another good option. You know, you don't want to trade anything that's going to be too meaningful and you're going to ruin the future. But you also don't want to, I think, just stand pat and do absolutely nothing. It's useless. But if we're being entirely honest, I would say right now their true quote-unquote deadline move they kind of made was really the Strom trade. It just happened months in advance of the deadline uh, because he's having the impact that a guy, that if you were a buyer at the deadline, you would want to have. So I, I pessimistically say they'll stay put and do nothing. I optimistically say that they're going to try and salvage something for these useless pieces to this team right now and really kind of make a run at it next year when they can potentially add a piece in free agency that's going to help sure up that back end. Because I don't think there's anything right now that they're going to get without overpaying astronomically and hurting the team that's going to help this team right now at the deadline. Yeah, I really don't have much much else there, Ron. Um, I really see the the stature where they stand put and don't really do anything because maybe the deals are just not there. I mean, let's be honest. Removing Anisimov probably hurts the team a little bit. I mean, you do get Camp back, and you've got Strom now. It doesn't really hurt long term. It just frees money up to spend on the off season. Uh, you might lose an extra game due to that depth, but you know, like I, I want them to get into the playoffs. But I don't think that moving Anisimov is going to be the end all, be all of what what determines that. I could see scenarios where. If they go on another three or four game win streak here and are within a point or two or over in the wild card spot where they would add, I'm not saying that's the best option, but I could see them sacrificing maybe a draft pick or two, maybe a year in advance. Uh, I could see them forfeiting a pick there, just knowing that they're going to go into free agency and try and spend money. So it's. Stan has a track record of giving up some of these draft picks for for rentals. So I could see a scenario where that happens. I think it's in the team's court right now, though. They need to they need to continue to win. And if they continue to win, it's going to force Stan's hand. If they kind of just teeter now after this loss today, uh, I could see where Stan kind of just stands pat or maybe makes a, a minor move, like you said, like an Isimov. But that, that, that's pretty much all I've got on that one. 
I think you guys, Ron, you pretty much covered the whole uh, spread there of possible options. Uh, so, yeah, I don't need to get into it too much. Just an opinion. I think it'll probably be they talked about the blue line being crowded. I think it'll just be a minor piece, a Forsling or a Cuckoo that goes. That would just be my prediction. And other than that, pretty quiet deadline for the Hawks. Uh, the only thing I am completely against and I'll go absolutely berserk if they do is if they are targeting another Victor edge cell type because that guy is trash. We don't need any more of those. So that's all I've got. All right. Time to take a look at the week ahead before we wrap this up Thursday night back at home versus New Jersey at seven 30. That will be Chris Kunitz's 1000th game. They'll do that ceremony, probably present him with the silver stick um, Saturday night, they are hosting the Columbus Blue Jackets, old friend Artemi Panarin in town. Uh, that's at 7.30 p.m. Saturday night. And then on Monday, they are at home once again. They host the Ottawa Senators at 7.30 p.m. So definitely some winnable games in here. What are we looking forward to? I'll be entirely honest. Good for Chris Kunitz because I, I know he's having a really bad year this year. But you look at that guy's career. What a dream of a career. Like, I, you know, I think him when he came out, you know, he wasn't expected to be anything crazy and just be a really good depth player and this, that, and the other. But the guy's got four Stanley Cups. He's played on some really, really good teams. He's played with some of the best players to ever play the game. And, you know, he made it to the Thousand cl- Game Club. You know, so good for him. Good for the Hawks sitting him tonight in Boston so he gets to do the 1,000th game at home. I think that was very classy um, because, I mean, he's been regularly playing lately and hasn't been terrible. Um, but good good classy move on, on the part of the Hawks organization. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to that Thursday game because I bet they get back on the winning track uh, because guys notice something really kind of odd. Uh, Chris Kunitz gets scratched and they lose, so something fun to think about but uh all Ooh, winnable games go there <laughs> you know but uh um, just christ Ron. i'm just gonna i'm just gonna plant that seed in your brain there and let you ball that one over but um all very winnable games columbus is a very good team though i think they'll pose a good a good challenge but uh new jersey and ottawa are both very beatable teams so i could see them taking at least four out of six points in the in the next three games so i'm looking for the columbus game I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the GM of the uh, the, the Blue Jackets' uh, last name. Yarmo Kekalainen. Y- Yarmo. Let's just go with Yarmo. I'm looking forward to Stan and Yarmo sitting down together in the, in the, in one of the suites and working out a trade that sends our Tommy Panarin back over to the Hawks with an extension fully signed already. And then uh, they announce it maybe like 10 minutes before the game and – they bring Panarin out with Kane, and they surprise Kane, and Kane just has like you know like this huge smile on his face right before. It'd just be so magical, you know, seeing them back together. I'm pretty sure that like Patrick Kane or our Tommy would like boop Kane's nose just in like one of those like kind of super bad moments. Um, oh, like Hosa's kid did. Yeah, it would be like it'd be like a nose boop. Yeah, like yeah. So that's yeah. I'm really looking forward to that happening. Um, right after. Uh, Kane goes cross-eyes to Panarin, um, and Panarin just rips one of those one-timers from from his knees. And, uh, yeah, it'll just be magical all over again. Uh, And those guys will uh, carry the Hawks to the Cup, and then they'll go to Disney World together and ride uh, It's a Small World. So that's that's how I see this playing out. And, uh, yeah, that's that's my week ahead. That's a dream scenario. I love it. Got to have high hopes. I am looking forward to that Columbus game as well because it is a rare Saturday night home game. Usually the Bulls get the United Center on Saturday nights or there's a concert or something. So I think the Hawks only have like a total of like We're going to discuss this, Johnny, in one Saturday of these. Night. We're going to discuss this What's in it? one of these upcoming podcasts because I think that that's just complete and utter ridiculousness that the Hawks never yeah. get those then, those prime slots. I know, and then, and then it's like – the bull, first of all, the Bulls are terrible, so there's that. They should at least give it to the Hawks during this period of time. But I, I know, like, the Sunday game is kind of like, you know, the tradition. You know, you get Pat Floyd, one of those great 6 o'clock starts, or Golchek, yeah. whoever says it. But uh, that's why I'm looking forward to. Um, probably going to meet up with some buddies, imbibe a little bit, and uh, 
watch some hockey. It'll be fun. Some Saturday night primetime hockey. That's not hockey night in Canada on my NHL TV. So it's actually my team. That's what I'm looking forward to. And then Monday against Ottawa, I'll be really upset if they don't just come out and smoke them. Those are the teams that you absolutely need to handle and they need to put a statement on that game. So I'm looking to see how they respond to that being their third home game. So they should be nice and comfortable back in their routines. Um, but don't get too comfortable. Don't get complacent because there's still some guys that can score. Um, you know, your Mark Stone on Ottawa. So um, the, the, that's my look at the week ahead. You guys got any other final thoughts before we uh, say goodbye? Let's get another one of these win streaks going. Winning's fun. I really like the way that this team's played, uh, especially since coming back from the break. Let's throw away tonight, and uh, let's just keep it rolling. That's all I've got. Uh, I've got that, yeah, winning is fun, um, but Stan, please don't be an asshole. Don't make an idiotic trade. You've done good for yourself this year. Uh, don't try and mortgage something that's going to help this team for the long run. Uh, don't don't try and trade a Boakfest because you have the opportunity of getting a rental player like a Matt Duchesne or something. It is absolutely not worth it. Um, just be smart, Stan. Be smart. Let this team continue to play and just be, be intelligent. We know you can be intelligent. So that's 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 my little uh, pep talk for young Stanbo up in the uh, press box. I echo Ron's sentiment. Stan, you're on the upswing. These past few deals have been in your favor. They've actually helped the Hawks. They haven't um, mortgaged parts of the future like Ron had said to avoid. Just no Victor Edge sells. That's my thing. And Dominic Cahoon keeps scoring goals, buddy. I'm going to buy one of your jerseys. So that's all I got. Let's go Thank Hawks. You again. Yep, thank you again for tuning in to episode 20 of the Four Feathers podcast. As always, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Hawks.